Hey there, it's Mike Tramp, and you're listening to White Lion Fever, where rock and roll is still alive like it always has been and it always will be. Okay, welcome to episode 61 of uh, White Line Fever, and our guest is Lorraine Lewis of Femme Fatale, and uh, tell everyone where you are, Lorraine. Where are you? <laughs> well, hello, everybody. I'm so happy to be here. I'm actually on the road, headed to Las Vegas, baby, <laughs> right now, in the car, and uh, I am not driving. Luckily, I am a passenger. And my man is driving, and we're going to get to Vegas in probably another couple of hours. And so you may or may... Sorry. Now, you don't want to tell the listeners what gig you're going to in Vegas, do you? You don't want to tell them. <laughs> yeah, we're, I'm, we're going to a really big heavy metal show with lots of blood and fire uh, called The Backstreet Boys. <laughs> That's great. Right? I don't think those words have ever been mentioned in that sequence on this program ever. Um, okay, uh, let, let's let's start talk about some news. Uh, you, your guitarist Nita has gone to uh, Alice Cooper. Um, does that mean she's not in Femme Fatale anymore, or does that mean that she, it's just another project she's got going? Uh, look, Nita is awesome. She is one of my favorite guitar players. My second guitar, favorite guitar player is Courtney Cox, obviously. We love Nita. She will always be a member of Femme Patel, and the you know she can always come back um, whenever she wants to. But I see big, big things for her. I mean, she's got like seventy-five dates with Alice Cooper. We couldn't be more excited for her. Um, but she is always welcome back. But I just think she's going to be huge, huge, huge success now that she's on tour with Alice. And who knows what that girl's going to do next? She's an amazing girl. And we're super excited for her. I can't wait to see a show, actually. Um, we don't have one plan that we're going to go see yet, but we definitely want to see Nita on, on stage with Alice Cooper. It's cool. And she's replacing an Australian, of course, and Orianthe as well. So do you, do you need to find a, a replacement for, uh, for her now? Well, actually, we already have somebody on board and we're planning to announce that um, on Facebook, et cetera, et cetera, uh, next week. Right, right, okay. And and your drummer has been a bit uh, injured, but she's back in the fold as well now? Yes, I actually just announced on Facebook tonight, um, we were at the rehearsal room, and Athena is back, and she is ready to go. She's all healed up, and she. I was just in the studio with her tonight, and she's pounding those skins and looking great, sounding great, and we can't wait to uh, get back to business. We have some shows lined up uh, late August, and she will be behind the kit. That's great. And, and Very excited about that. And tell us about those shows. Tell us about the shows. We're, we will be playing uh, Farm Rock 2014 in Wakanda, Illinois. That's on the 31st of August. That's yep. a really big show with Queensryche and Warrant and just a lot of great bands. We're really, really stoked that we're going to be sharing the stage with such amazing bands. Um, two nights before that, we're going to be in Pekin, Illinois at Goodfellas. So we've got a little road trip to take. We're excited. Okay, and and I said that we'd only talk for five minutes, so uh, you know, uh, for, for the podcast. So I won't. Uh, but but um, the the other thing I wanted to uh, ask you about was, you know, the the great lost record. Um, 
uh, I, I, I've seen you get asked. You get asked about that a fair a fair bit, and you're trying to sort of reclaim the masters of the of the of the debut as well. So, is there any progress in that area? Any news as to when that stuff might see the light of day? Well, we've been. I've been talking to um, Steve over at SMA Records. I thought we were going to be able to get all the contracts worked out this this summer and have a release maybe late summer. But things are taking a little bit longer. Look, these are tracks that have been sitting there for 20-plus years, and so there's going to need to be some uh, studio work done. Like We're going to need to take these songs into the studio, remix, remaster, um, and make them sound the best quality that we can. So that's going to take a little bit more time than I expected, um, but we are still in negotiations right now. I'm hoping, you know, 2015 at this point, because I know that people want to hear that stuff. We did... Uh, when we did M3, we did one of the songs off of the record, uh, Lady in Waiting, and it went over really great. It's a, a heavy hitter, and people really seem to like it. A little bit heavier than the first Femfetal record. So, um, yeah, that's where we're at with that right and, now. And is this, wait for people to hear it. Does this, does this get in the way of the, the new band writing and recording? Like, the, you've still got this stuff that you want to get out there, or, or are you is the new band also writing stuff as well we would we, we would love to to work and write together um, we just haven't gotten to that point yet um i think right now you know so many things happen with athena hurting her arm etc and now we're just you know need a leaving etc so my focus right now is just getting the band to be as strong as it can be um to get back to doing what we love to do which is rocking out for everybody so that's where we're at right now in the future I would love to sit down and write with the girls because everybody's capable we get along great we have a good time together and I think that we could come up with some really good stuff but you know again you know a couple of the wheels were falling off the cart for a second so now that we're ready to roll again we'll get these shows under our belt and I hope so in the future. Okay, we'll get, we'll get the podcast section of this interview out of the way. We'll finish it up with a song. Uh, please don't pick one off the long lost album that I can't get the MP3 off. <laughs> so, <laughs> have you uh, have you got a song for the for the listeners and a story behind it? Well, sure. Let, let me. I'll, you know, baby's done because that's usually well, lately that's been the second song that we do in the set. My baby's done, and a lot of people don't know this, but that was actually chosen as the first single originally. Um, that was going to be before Waiting for the Big One. That was the song that was going to come out. We were actually talking to Marty Kohler about doing a, a video for that song. And then, uh, and I was really looking forward to it because I, I thought that that was a heavy hitter. But um, then we went back into the studio and recorded Waiting for the Big One, and that ended up being the first single. So that's kind of a little story that not everybody knows about My Baby's Gun. But that's one of my favorite songs. It was when we came out, that was going to be the first single, and then it got replaced by Waiting for the Big One. And they've both got double entendres, so that's four entendres all up for the, for the two of them. Uh-huh. Woo!
Yeah. Hey, hey, this is Lorraine Lewis from Femme Fatale, and you are listening to White Line Fever. Uh-oh. We're in Sydney, Australia, and we are in a recording studio, and uh, we, we attempted to do a podcast last week, and we just stuffed everything up. It was absolute train wreck. But one thing we learned last week is in half an hour, it's very difficult uh, to fit in three songs unless you play the first one almost immediately. This is Curtis Woodward and Steve Mascord from Sydney, Australia, and here's some new music from Kicks. <laughs> Dice for a pink slip race I'm diving in deep 
you doing? You're listening to White Line Fever. Oh, yeah. Curtis Woodward. That is new music from Kicks. The first album, Rock Your Face Off. The first album in, in about 20 years. That is 19 years to be exact. Do you like that, Curtis? you like that song? I just can't believe how long Rosie's been around. Yeah, she just she, she keeps surviving every decade. Yeah, yeah. She's um, lost a bit of weight, Rosie, I believe. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, she's been, been to Jenny Craig. Yeah? And, uh, yeah. Oh, I still wouldn't touch her with a 10-foot pole. But you can't say stuff like that. That's terrible. <laughs> Terrible. In fact, especially about fictional figures, you can't besmirch. <laughs> Sexism applies to people who don't exist as well. And, oh, yeah. sorry. Okay, so um, this is White Line Fever. We're a rock and roll and uh, rugby league show. And as I said, uh, last week we came in here and we tried to use the panel here and we were very happy with ourselves until we played it back. And it was terrible, wasn't it? It's our fault. It's no one else's fault but ours. I, I should have I should have been like a good shepherd, try to help you a little bit more. But it just showed it just showed up massive holes in my ideas of how much I knew about the actual equipment as well. <laughs> Wayne Bennett back to the Broncos. Um, a lot of the conjecture is about, you know, was he all? Sorry about that. <laughs> that there you go. We've done it again. A lot of the conjecture was about. Um, uh, how long has he been talking to the Broncos? How close did he come to going to the Dragons? Uh, were the Dragons just patsies in the whole thing? Um, what do you what What do you think? Is it is it good? I mean, is, is it the last throw of the dice for the Broncos and for Wayne that he's gone back there, or is or is it just the right decision? What are your thoughts, Curtis? I think it shows the desperation of the Broncos. I think that's where their mindset is. They could have stuck with Griffin for the next ten years and made him a career coach. Um, and you'd know this better than me about Wayne Bennett. Did he not have a handshake deal with Nick Politis at the Roosters many moons ago? And did he have a handshake agreement with the Dragons not long ago in the last couple of weeks? Well, I don't think it was a handshake deal, but I did read that he went to Wollongong with him. Well, people thought he was going to sign, and, and he didn't. And to be honest, when it leaked out, great story by Roy Masters in the Herald, when it, when it leaked out, I thought, well, maybe he's going to do the same thing as as you, you alluded to the uh, deal he had with the Roosters where it made the paper and suddenly he called everything off and uh, didn't um, and didn't go there in the end. So I think you know this is Wayne's last contract. Uh, the Broncos don't have the same... Uh, cachet that they used to have. Uh, I feel sorry for Anthony Anthony Griffin, um, and it is going to be as I said. I I, don't, I disagree with Andrew Webster saying that the entire coaching career of Wayne Bennett will be judged in the next three years in Brisbane. If he has an unsuccessful uh, three years in Brisbane, I don't think it's going to affect his legacy. I think he's going to have a great legacy regardless. And let's not forget about Jack Gibson too. His final years as a first grade coach that that was a long time ago as well. But they weren't the housing years for Jack Gibson either. Mm. So I I think every coach I'd isn't the old saying the old a coach is hired to be sacked something like that? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I thought it was actually very interesting on Sunday. It was Sunday where um, John Cartwright said, "Look, uh, you know, uh, coaches are just uh, they come and go." Uh, he said, oh, "I actually care about the club, and uh, it isn't about me. I agree with the review that's happening at the club, and uh, it is. I mean, these stories we get so caught up in them, and in fact, you know, they, do they really matter? I don't know." Anyway, uh, another story that everyone's very caught up in is what's happening at Manly at the moment uh, with reports that uh, Anthony Watmo, Steve Maddai and Brett Stewart have all asked for releases. Uh, and this was aired, very interesting circumstances, this was aired uh, about 40 minutes uh, on cha- before kickoff in the Monday night football game between Manly and St. George Illawarra. So the players, those three players, did not know uh, that the story um, was ev- on everyone's lips during the match. And uh, I was actually assigned with running onto the ground at full time last night and naturally, the three players I went for, <laughs> for were in order. Anthony Watmo, um, Steve Maddai, and Brett Stewart. Two out of three ain't bad. Uh, here's what, um, as I said, Anthony Watmo, not aware of these reports. Here's what he had to say at full time in a 21-12 win by Manly over St. George Illawarra at Jubilee Oval. 
Anthony, is that just one of the games where you stick to your systems and you come out on top? Yeah, we uh, we had to do it tough there that, that first 20, but you know we stuck to you know like you said our systems and and we end up getting away, you know, getting a couple of points on them. So you know it was a, it was a tough grind and you know one we needed coming into this the back end of this year. On top of the table with, with seven weeks left, are you, have you exceeded your expectations this year, or have you just met what you what you expected to do? Look, that's up to the. Uh, yeah, it's up to you guys. You know, we always had belief in ourselves, but, you know, we, uh, we, we're travelling all right and we know we can get better, so that's a good thing. I'll get in first with this one. There was a report on Channel 9 just before kickoff that you'd asked for a release. Um, can you enlighten the listeners as to whether that's true? <laughs> when, did, when did that one come out? It was, uh, I think, about 6.20 on Channel 9 News, so about 40 minutes before kickoff. Oh, there's, look, it's been, them rumours have been going around for weeks and weeks, so, look, it's nothing new to us. We, uh, we're just worried about playing footy and we'll let that other stuff take care of it. So what do you, I mean, it is very interesting at Manly because um, they do seem to thrive on negative energy, don't they? And I, I was talking to some people on Twitter about this today and, that, and one fellow is pretty smart sounding sort of fella like us. He, um, he said he thought that Manly were happy to let this run uh, and this drama um, unfold publicly uh, because they need a siege, they run on a siege mentality and this is, that's this year's siege. Uh, and that, okay, Glenn Stewart is, is leaving and people aren't happy about that. Uh, but it's it's actually in a weird, demented, perverted sort of way. It's actually good for them to let it fester because that's what drives them. What, what do you what do you think, Curtis? They are the the absolute opposite to the other fifteen NRL sides in the competition. I don't know how they keep doing it year after year, but as you said, they they are the kings of adversity, the backs of the wall, all that all the good stuff, and they come back and they hit you harder than the, the last time you played them. And, I, and maybe it is like you said, it's a siege mentality, and, and that's driving driving them from within. Uh, but I think there's more there. And with media as well these days where they smoke this fire, um, and that's just a guess, but um, it would be very easy to assume that these players know that they're in the, at the end of an era and they're looking for that one big pay packet. Um, whether that means Brett Stewart's off the Bulldogs or Steve Maddow's off the Warriors, we don't know. And But I, I dare say that there will be more casualties before this gets better for Manly. And maybe there is another grand final at the end of the year. I think the fellow on Twitter actually made a good point, though. The player agents... They know that the halves, Daly, Cherry Evans and Kieran Foran, have um, already been guaranteed a lot of money. So the player agents, it's in their interest to get it into the public arena that there's a bit of discontent and that it's going to cost money to hold on to these other guys as well. Now, Anthony Watmo, I believe, has a um, a big uh, sort of a back-ended contract and, and people don't think he's uh, going to go uh, anywhere. So um, it's all a bit of t- it's all some tactics, and I suppose it all comes down, which we won't I don't have time to discuss here. The extent to which, if you if you're a reporter and you know you're being played, should you should you play along, or should you actually sort of go okay, you know, you sh- should that feed into the way you write or talk about an issue? Uh, you know, in my opinion, unfortunately, you know, or, or fortunately, whatever. But if you never wrote stories where you're being used, you'd never write any stories. I mean, mm. people people don't just give out information without being motivated. So we should all um, uh, bear in mind that there is a motivation to these things reaching the public arena and uh, there is an objective um, by the people who leak them. You know, and, and, that's, and we have to look behind just the bare bones of a story and, and you do have to think about people's motivations. And player agents just don't care. <laughs> they, they really don't. They, and I'm, I mean, sure, some of them, you can't brand them all in the same bracket. 
Uh, you'd know a lot, of, a lot of them better than me, Steve, but you can't bring them all in the same bracket, but on the same hand, as you said, they're all trying to do the best for themselves and their players because whatever money their player gets, they get their percentage. So, Okay, we also spoke to, also got hold of Steve Maddai last night, and then after that, we're going to hear some more new music. I think it's going to be the album of the year, although I was listening to Steel Panther on the way here, and it'll come close as well, but uh, Simplicity by Tesla, just an outstanding uh, uh, record. Um, so uh, the song's called Honestly, but first... Actually, it's quite fitting that I asked Steve Maddai this question, you listen to his answer, and then the song after is called Honestly. Yeah, Steve, tell us about that injury. It looked pretty grim when you went down the tunnel. It's a long walk to the visiting rooms here too, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Uh, our doctor was struggling a little bit. I think he weighs about uh, 60, weight, uh, 60 kilos, you know, so. No, but um, they had a look at it at half time, strapped it up, uh, gave me a few painkillers, and it feels not too bad at the moment, but um, we'll see how it is tomorrow. Yeah, so it could be something a bit more serious than, than it seems right now. Yeah, well, I slipped under it and, uh, and uh, you know, Nightingale sort of fell on top of me and, um, you know, the fields are quite dewy and um, the doc wanted to make sure nothing was serious. So um, I'll have scans tomorrow and hopefully nothing too bad. Now, you've already done one interview out here. I'm not sure if the interviewer asked you, but there was a report just before the game kicked off that you've asked for a release along with a couple of other fellas. Is there any truth to that? Oh, yeah, there is. Um, you know, I've... Um, sort of spoken to the club but um you know that's that's something that uh we're we're looking after and um hopefully everything's get sorted soon so Jungle out there, honestly. 
Curtis, you've heard um, uh, those songs a couple of times now because we had our dry, dry run last week, our, our train crash. Uh, what do you think? What do you think of the two songs? No, I actually, I actually really love the first one, and the second one, I honestly think it was a great song. Really? Because it's a bit soppy. No, no. I actually sat there. I actually sat there going, oh, "Where have I heard this crying? song?" He was crying actually. I was, I was, I was, yeah, a couple of tears. But I actually sat here going, "Where have I heard that song before?" And it was literally here last here, week. Exactly. <laughs> oh, you go. Yeah. No, it was a great song. Tesla. Um, he's wiping tears away now. Tesla are um, uh, still a great live act. Just awesome. And I believe they charge a little bit more than other bands of that era because they just put on such a good show. And they're very careful not to overexpose themselves. But they're certainly not overexposed in this country because I'm not sure they've ever been here. Have they ever been here? Or do they think they've ever been here? I, you know, b- besides the old um, Sparky that was the inventor, I think he was. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah uh, You know, there's a, there's a story, an urban myth, or may not be, might be um, a true story, but... Nikola Tesla, who um, actually uh, basically discovered, I think he discovered electricity, mm. and, and he was ripped off. He got no credit or yeah. whatever. But he was so devoted to his, um, his work that he actually castrated himself so he wouldn't be distracted by the pleasures of the flesh. I think actually David Bowie played him in a movie of the last decade right. with Hugh Jackman and uh, Christian Bale in it called The Prestige. All right. I think, it, I think it was Tesla. Now, there's, um, this is the rock and roll part of the show, and there's some great tours going on in the States at the moment. I mean, um, Aerosmith are touring with Slash, Kiss are touring with uh, Death, uh, Def Leppard, and uh, what's the other big one? Uh, there's another big one that just... Uh, What's the other big one? I can't remember. Well, um, Judas Priest is touring with Steel Panther as well, so that's a, that's a, another uh, great tour that's uh, taking place. But what I want to talk about is a story that's kind of appeared in the last 24 hours, and you'd be aware that Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley believe that KISS could continue even without them, even without um, any original members, which does work for Puppetry of the Penis. Do you get that one? Do you get what I did there? <laughs> uh, <laughs> So, you know, it's a franchise like Puppetry of the Penis. Um, so, and, and what is, I think Doc McGee, the manager, has actually come out and said, well, we are actually talking to um, TV networks about a reality show to find replacements for Gene and Paul. Now, very similar to Rockstar in Excess. Now, I actually went to the very first show of Supernova, which was the band that was formed by the previous um, uh, a reality show, a rock star, whatever, and mm-hmm. it was supposed to have Jason Newstead in it. He had a back injury, but it was there was some uh, kid from uh, there was Tommy Lee, uh, there was Gilby Clark, mm-hmm. there was some kid from Canada with funny hair, uh, and uh, and that band 
they too, and they don't exist anymore. You've all forgotten them if you're if you're listening. Uh, and subsequently, how long did uh, In Excess last with JD Fortune? Now, leaving aside the question of can Kiss continue on without Gene and Paul, I, I I think it's it's a recipe for absolute disaster if they turn them like Kiss are already a circus. Yeah, it's already um, you know just just you know basically a business first and a band second, even though I will go and watch them and I hope to catch a couple of Vegas residency shows um, uh, later this year. But they will not last five minutes if they pick two members for reality TV. What do you think? They know that too. They know that if Gene Simmons was making, he was making shows 15, 20 years ago with his wife, you know, and that was horrible then. And you look at these, these TV shows. It wasn't shows. 15, 20 years ago. It, it has five to be. Years no, ago. it wasn't five, five years ago. ago. It was, seriously. It, only, it was only cancelled. Uh, Gene Simmons' Family Jewels was only cancelled uh, by the A&E Network two years ago. Okay. Well, and, and anyway, you look at these TV shows that are on today, wherever it's, whatever it is, the Australian Idol, American Australian Idol, The Voice or whatever, these people are around for two minutes and they're gone again. Mm. It's all just a big, as you said, it's a circus, it's a machine, it's got cogs in the wheel and it just rolls and rolls and rolls. These people will be chewed out and spat out and then they'll probably make, make another show in 10 years when everyone forgets. Yeah, I don't think Gene and Paul are going to want for a coin, actually, uh, regardless of what happens with the band. Okay, um, don't forget to follow us on Twitter, WLF Podcast. Come and join us uh, at whitelinefever.ning.com. Uh, that's like there's forums and photos and videos and all events, all that sort of stuff on there. Uh, and also we're White Line Fever Community uh, on, um, on Facebook. And I'm stevemascord.com. And what do you want to plug, Curtis? Oh, at, at Curtis Wood 1 at the 81st minute. Yada, yada, yada. 80, 81st Minute Podcast. Say something about that quickly. Yeah, that, that'll be up tonight or tomorrow morning. <laughs> awesome. Okay, thanks for tuning in, everyone. I think it's gone better than last week, but uh, you can, WLF Podcast, tell us on Twitter what we have to improve for next time. Here's some more new music. A band I, I, I had never seen live until just this year, and they actually started before uh, Poison, before uh, Guns N' Roses, uh, before Warrant, before all these bands, Def Leppard even, before they became big. Who was the first metal band to really storm the charts in the early 80s? Curtis. These guys. Ah. (laughs) (laughs) You're too smart for me. Quite right. Uh, Here's some new music from their new album with Jizzy Pearl singing. The album's called Ten and the song's called Rock in Peace.
Hey, this is Jizzy Pearl here, hanging with Steve, and you're listening to White Line Fever. Okay, final part of the interview uh, with Whitfield Crane. I want to thank him for joining us. Um, now, there is, um, they've got an EP out, which has been out for, uh, what, about a year now. Now, I believe there's some recording plans in the offing. Uh, can you keep us up to date with, with what's happening there? Well, everyone's writing. You know, we have a whole bunch of uh, songs made from the band, uh, from Klaus to Dave Foreman, and uh, hello. And so we'll basically we'll, uh, we'll go tour Australia, and then uh, we'll come back to the United States uh, at various times, and we'll start working. And uh, we'll get in the studio with Dave Foreman and Sonny Mayo, both uh, uh, premier producers. And I mean, one of the cool things we have with Ugly Kid Joe is we can do it in house, all in house. So mm. we'll basically get together and we're about some new songs and we'll figure out, you know, what's the smartest, you know, amount of songs or should we just release a single or, or whatever. But for sure we're going to get creative and, you know, launch some stuff in 2002. No, we got, I went to Motorhead Band Practice yesterday, by the way. Oh, wow. <laughs> yesterday. It was me and Motorhead at FAR in, in LA. Like, oh, come on down, wait. And I was like, yes. And I went down there and there they were. Me and Motorhead and Victor and steve and the whole Motorhead family, who I love. But How is Lemmy? Because I saw you went to the LA Kiss Arena football first game the other day. Um, he wasn't looking too bad. How is he? He's good, man. You know, he's he's, he's in there. He's uh, he's present, and they're you know they're, they're working together as a Motorhead team, and they got a big show on Friday. I'll go to it in Nokia Theater, and then they're playing Coachella this next weekend. And uh, you know, he's a badass motherfucker. So I think <laughs> all is well with Lemmy. And um, in uh, Europe, you closed two of the shows, I believe, and, and Skid Row closed the rest. Right, okay. And how is that decided? I mean, do you, you try not to be too pragmatic and business about it, I suppose you... But, I mean, like, I, you did have a number one single here, didn't you? Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's, we still... Oh, I go for what, what, what's fair. Let's go for yeah. two and two. I mean, that's how I like to do it. And, you know, they'll, they'll probably... One of us will do Melbourne, one of us will do Sydney, one of us will do Brisbane, and one of us will do Fremantle. There you go. Right, right, okay. And just as far as uh, Skid Row are concerned, I mean, how, how did you find uh, touring with them? Um, you know, it's it's really interesting. I saw in an interview you said, you know, you weren't grunge and you weren't um, uh, hair metal. You're somewhere in between. And, like, I just was recently – I was just recently on the Monsters of Rock cruise, and it's funny, like, Loudness and the London Choir Boys have absolutely nothing in common musically, but they're just part of the same scene because they're around at the same time. Um, right. Do do you do you feel the same thing? Do you feel embraced by that by 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 that market? Those people, people of our age group, you know. You know, I've been jobs fit in everywhere and nowhere, right? So, like, <laughs> we could go out with Def Leppard or Van Halen or Bon Jovi or Motorhead or Ozzy Osbourne or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so you know, we were a weird uh, gray area, really. So you know, hey, we fit in with Skid Row, we fit in with Van Halen, you know. So you know, we fit in most anywhere. Uh, and don't fit in at all. So, you know, we've always wondered that ourselves. You tell me when you know. Okay, okay. And uh, finally now, um, I have to ask one of those did you almost do this type questions. Doing a bit of research, it, it, there's one thing that said you were shortlisted to be an anthrax. Did that ever happen? Did untrue, that... uh, untrue, though my friendship with Scott Ian is, is, is a deep and beautiful friendship. But no, no, no anthrax possibilities for me. Never. So is, are there any forks in the road you look back on that, you know, you could have been somewhere very different than you are now? Is, is there any that cross your mind? I mean, it could be. And there's always those chances. But, you know, I'm in my flip-flops in Venice Beach, California, about to come to Australia. This <laughs> is my destiny. <laughs> on that note, one more song, Wit, and we, we, I just want to thank you for uh, joining us again. Okay, cool. Um, I guess we're going to go Ugly Kid Joe, the song, 
the goddamn devil off America's Least Wanted with a backup vocal for a very great singer by the name of Mr. Rob Halford, the singer of a band called Judas Priest. So listen to this. America's Least Wanted, goddamn devil, ugly to Joe, Rob Halford, it's on.
Oh. I got a white line fever. Going down, land down under. Going to turn around the corner, way down yonder. <laughs> but I'm not even going to try to rhyme anymore. <laughs> Michael Monroe here for White Line Fever. You get a chance, come and check us out live. We're going to rock your socks off and whatever, rock like fuck. That's what I say, okay? <laughs> come on down and rock on.